Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 8. I want to read um, uh, the 8th verse as a text scripture for this evening's message. I know this is healing school, and a lot of times we talk about healing exclus- exclusively, but tonight I want to talk to you about something else. Um, it it uh, involves the principle of faith, and since faith is a principle, it applies the same in every area that, it, that you apply it to. It works the same in every area you apply it to. The same faith that works for finances works for healing, for example. It works for salvation. It works for anything else. And um, I know a lot of times that I give you um, uh, or use Brother Hagin's uh, stories, testimony of healing, and, and sometimes other stories and other ministers' stories and so forth. So I don't want to tell you somebody else's story. And it has to do with finances, but I believe it illustrates the, the operation of faith uh, in, in such a clear way that, um, well, I, I, I hope you're blessed by it, not only in the area that it applies in the story, but also in the other areas that you can apply it as well for healing. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law, now all they had was the law of Moses. The first um, five books of the Bible is the only thing that they had. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now Joshua comes on the scene, and Joshua's taking Moses' place. And God gives Joshua the keys to success, the principle for success, for fulfilling God's plan for his, Joshua's life. Well, if, uh, since God's no respecter of persons, the same thing that would make Joshua successful will make you successful and me and everybody else. So he said, this book of the law, the law of Moses, in other words, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then, after you meditate, after you speak the word of God, not depart from your mouth, means continually say the word of God. And God connects meditation with speaking the word. You need to understand that the Bible definition of meditation is different from the world's definition of meditation. So many times Eastern religions use meditation and and what they're talking about is the emptying of the mind. Well, I think a lot of Christians have a head start on that already. Uh, But that's not what uh, Bible meditation is. Bible meditation is not emptying your mind, but rather filling your mouth to speak the word of God. So he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate. In other words, speak the word of God and meditate. Speak the word of God and meditate. Now, what end? To what end? What purpose is there in speaking the word of God for the, for the purpose or the result of meditating? From, by speaking the word of God and meditating, or if you'll allow me to define meditating this way, getting the word down on the inside of your spirit. That's what meditation is about. It's about making the word of God part of your spirit. To make the word of God part of your spirit, the only way that can take place, the only way that happens is through the speaking of God's word. So he says, when you make the word of God part of your spirit by speaking God's word, then you do the word of God. That's when you are uh, in a position to be a doer of the word of God and get results. See, a lot of people do the word of God, but they don't meditate by speaking the word of God first. So they're acting out of their flesh and not out of their spirit. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I did the same thing I heard so-and-so say they did, and they got healed, and I didn't get anything. Well, did you put the time and the effort into speaking the Word of God to get it down into your spirit that they did? See, folks, it's not just the physical action. God looks on the heart. It's the Word of God spoken from your spirit that makes the difference, not just the Word of God spoken. A lot of people are speaking the Word of God, but it's only coming out of their head because they've never taken the time to meditate, to make it a part of their spirit. But God told Joshua the key to success is to speak the word of God, to make it a part of your spirit, meditate on it, to make it a part of your heart, your spirit, so that you can do, be a doer of the word of God. 
Now, when you speak the word of God, get it down on the inside of you, make it a part of your very innermost being, and then act on the word of God. Notice what the result is. For then, everybody say then. Then is the result of the things that went before. The then result can't take place unless you take the first couple of steps that he talks about, speaking the word and meditating, then acting. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Notice God doesn't prosper you. Now, you can talk about prosperity, and we will talk about prosperity where finances are concerned tonight. The testimony I want to give you has to do with finances. But, uh, but prosperity is, is victory in any area. We could say that this is the same principle that, that uh, would, could be defined as, for then thou shalt find healing, and then thou shalt be restored. See, we look at God, and so many people in the church world are praying for God to do something when God said, here's how you do it for yourself. Here's how you access. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is the power of God in action. It is the power of God that's received and taken hold of. But the way you take hold of the power of God is not by getting God to move. It's by you speaking the word and making it a part of your heart. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that doesn't want good success. Now, a lot of the people, the very same people in the church world that will argue and fight against the so-called prosperity message are praying for God to, to bless them so they could have good success. Now, folks, I would submit to you, if God didn't want you to succeed, he really messed up by telling you how. I know that sounds simple, but it's true. God said, this is the, this is the principle, this is the way to prosperity, and this is the way to good success. So if God gives us the means, the wherewithal, to know how to prosper and how to have good success. If we don't prosper and don't have good success. It's, there's no uh, way for us to blame him for it is there. It's all on us. Now here's the story I want to tell you. There was a certain man who was a farmer. And uh, he um, uh, was unknowledgeable in some of these things. This is the story of how he learned some of these truths. The principles of faith and speaking the word and so forth. And, uh, and he sold. He had uh, a good bit of land. Uh, in the Midwest part of the country. And he sold a farm and uh, cashed out and added some money to it. I think the, the farm, uh, whatever the sale of the price of the small farm was, and he added another $25,000 to it and went into a joint business venture with some other people. Now, the way that he determined or thought he determined that God wanted him to do this is he put out a fleece. You don't hear too much about fleeces anymore, but you, everybody understand what I mean when we talk about putting out a fleece? Well, in case you don't, let me explain just real quickly. In the Old Testament, Gideon uh, was uh, instructed by the Lord of what to do and to, to deliver the people of Israel. Well, Gideon said, okay, if this is really you, God, and if this is really what you want me to do, I'm going to put a fleece out on the ground. Now, I'm not sure exactly how the story went. It went both ways. I'm not sure which one was first. He said, uh, if, in the morning, let the dew be on the ground, but the fleece be dry if this is your will. Well, next morning, the dew was on the ground, but the fleece was dry. So he said, hey, this is great. But now I'm not really sure that that means this is you. So I'm going to do it again. And in the morning, if this is you, let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. Well, it was just that way. And so he determined that that was the will of God for him to do uh, the things that God wanted him to do. And he delivered the children of Israel and, and so forth. Became one of the great judges in the, the, that period of time. Well, church people get a hold of that and they say, we want to put out a fleece just like Gideon did. Well, that's dangerous. The reason that's dangerous is because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the God of this world. And he blinds people's minds to the truth. 
Now, if Satan is the God of this world, that means Satan is the God of the physical realm. So whereas in Gideon's day, when he didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of him, he was an unsaved man just operating according to the law, you and I don't have that same excuse. And so we can't look to circumstances to determine the will of God in any respect, one way or the other. And notice Gideon had to take it both ways to figure out that this really was God that was talking to him. Well, Satan can affect circumstances. And he can cause circumstances to, to be in line with the fleece that you put out and leave you with the idea that it was God when it never was the plan of God for you. The Bible says we've got a better way, and that is the Spirit of God who guides us into all truth. He lives on the inside of us. He bears witness with our spirits. But anyway, this farmer put out this fleece, and all this fleece has told him that it was, this was what God wanted him to do. So he invested the, uh, the profit from, uh, or the, the sale price from this farm land that he had and added another $25,000 to it and lost every nickel. I mean, it just went down the tubes. Well, as a result, he got real negative about it. He said, well, I don't understand this. Here I put out a fleece and the fleece said do it. And now I find out this is obviously not God's plan. And this is not the way that it was supposed to go. It's not what I wanted it to do. And here I've, I've lost the money. Now I don't have the farmland, lost the money too. So he said, his testimony was, he got really negative. He got upset. He got mad at, mad at himself, mad at God. And so he got really negative. Now he still had a lot of farmland left. And so he said, all right, well, forget this business investment stuff. I'm going to go back to what I know, and that's farming. So he took the land that he had, however many hundreds of acres it was that he had, and he said, I'm just going to plant a good size, big crop this year, And because farming is what I know. I've been a farmer all my life. My daddy was a farmer. My granddaddy was a farmer. All I know is farming. So I'm going to go back to what I know and make that work. But because he was so negative, he said to himself, he said, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm snake bit. Everything I put my hand to goes wrong. So he said, if I plant this cotton seed so far deep into the ground, we won't get enough rain and it'll come up dry. Well, it happened just the way he said. They didn't get enough rain and it came up dry. And so he had to uh, plow that whole crop uh, under. And then it came time for, he said, well, you know, I've got to have some kind of means of support. So I've got to make a crop work. I've got to bring in a crop this year. So now it's late in the season. So he says, this time I'm going to plant it more shallow. But he said, just my luck. We'll get too much rain. Then it'll come up wet. Well, that's just exactly the way it happened. So finally, now after two crops, he's got to plow the second crop under. The third crop he puts in and it's late in the season. So now he's got to plant it uh, even more shallow. And he said, just my luck, it'll come a freeze and it won't produce anything. Well, that's exactly the way it happened. He lost three crops in one, in one season. Well, you can imagine what you would think about some, something like that. And he's, first of all, he was negative, has been negative all year. Now he's even more negative. Then the devil's coming and telling him that he's disobeyed God or displeased God in some way or another. And that's why God's mad at him and made, his, made him lose his money. Now he's lost his crop. Plus he's gone another season, a whole growing season. He didn't have enough money to pay his light bill. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So anyway, the devil's beating him up. You know how the devil works. Things don't go your way and one thing seems to pile right on top of another. So he said he was, um, uh, some guy came to his house course of time and this is it's been over a year now since he's made the investment and lost it and and um, um, his crops went bad I think he said he spent about two years in this negative position and he said somebody came by his house he said he was a Baptist minister and he had a had some books with him 
And uh, so he was uh, kind of thumbing through. They were visiting. So he picked up some of the books that the guy brought. And he was looking through one of them. Well, one of them was Right and Wrong Thinking by Brother Hagin. And he said that he saw in that, um, in that um, um, book something that, um, that changed his life. He read one of the first statements that he read in that book, just kind of picked it out of the middle. His brother Hagin said, people that think wrong believe wrong. And when they believe wrong, they act wrong. Now, you need to understand, he said by his own testimony, he said, I know that Luke 6.38 is true. Six, Luke 6.38 says, given, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. We quote that a lot around here at offering time. But it wasn't working for him. He believes it's true. But he was negating everything that he was doing by, by cursing his own ground, cursing his own situation, saying that this was going to go wrong, just his luck, this will happen next. And, and everything that he said came just exactly true. But when he got a hold of Brother Hagin's book, his testimony was, he said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, every paragraph had a point, and it was direct. It wasn't some vague, mystical, maybe this, maybe that. Everything was according to the word and gave, a direct, uh, gave some direct instructions about what to do. So he said, I looked at that book and, and found out who wrote it and, and that type of thing. So he said, I ordered one for myself along with another little book by Brother Hagin on uh, confession. He said, when I got those books, took a little while to get them in. But when I got those books, he said, I read them and devoured them. And he said, I saw Brother Hagin mention and teach in, uh, in one of those books, probably both of them, uh, Mark eleven twenty three and 24. When Jesus is describing or explaining faith, he said, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24 goes on to say, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Well, he started getting into the Word. He started studying everything that he could, everything that those books, those little books, and they're just real small books. Everything those books would refer him to in the scripture, he had studied those scriptures. He had run the reference in his Bible about other scriptures. He found everything that he could on confession and faith and, and that kind of stuff. And he said, at that point in time, it was just, I was just scratching the surface. But it was news and revelation to him. And he said, about that time, after I started getting into the word, about that time, he said, the, the first time he read these verses and the first time he heard these, these truths, he said something went off on the inside of him. He said it was like an explosion on the inside of him. He said, I knew that I knew that I knew. This is my answer. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 130, that the entrance of God's words giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. See, a lot of times people don't get their answers from God because they won't get into the word to find them. But when you find the answer in the word, God will witness it to your heart. The Holy Ghost will witness that truth to your heart. So he began to study, and, uh, and, and he said himself, he said, I probably had read some of these scriptures before, but they never meant anything to me. And so one day, he was praying. God began to show him some things, and so he started praying, and he said, uh, he remembers just clear as a day, it changed his life. As he's praying, uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, or actually, he started off, and he said, Lord, I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and it's not working. Now, he knows what Mark eleven twenty three and 24 say. He's studying and starting to learn a little bit more about the scripture on confession and, and the, the power of your words and so forth. But he's still hanging on to some of the traditions that he's been taught all of his life. So he said, Lord, I've been praying and praying and none of this is working. And the Lord spoke inside on, on, uh, in his spirit just as plain as day and said, what are you doing? And he stopped and he said, well, I'm praying. 
And the Lord spoke back to him and says, no, you're not. You're complaining. He said, then he said this. He said, he asked him a question. He said, who told you this is not working? Well, he said he had to, the, the farmer said he had to stop and think about that for a minute and stop. And he said, well, I guess the devil told, I guess that's, uh, that's what the devil said. And then the Lord said, I'd really appreciate it if you quit telling me what the devil said. Now, folks, that's about as simple as you can get, but that would change a lot of people's prayer life. Because that's exactly what a lot of people do. A lot of people take the thoughts that the devil brings and speak them out to God. Now, what they don't understand is that they're establishing that truth in their life. Because whoever you speak after, whoever's words you confess, you're establishing that in your life. If you speak God's words, you're establishing his word in your life. If you speak the devil's words or his thoughts, give voice to his thoughts, then you're establishing the devil's thoughts in your life or his words. So the Lord spoke to him and said, I'd really appreciate it if you'd quit telling me what the devil said. He said, you've been praying for me to prosper you, but it's not me that's working against you. He said, you've bound me by the words of your own mouth. He said, if I were to do anything, I'd have to violate my word to do so, and I can't do that. So you can see he's starting to teach him about the power of his words. Well, he's, uh, he spends more and more time getting the word into him, putting the word inside of him, beginning to speak the word of God. He said, um, uh, he told him, the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to get every scripture where the Bible, where the New Testament, particularly in the New Testament, says who you are or what belongs to you and start saying those things about yourself. So he started going through his daily confession, studying the words, searching it out, and, uh, and, and at the direction of the Lord, speaking the word of God. Joshua 1.8. Now, he didn't even know about Joshua 1.8 yet. But he's saying the word of God to get, it as a, to get it down on the inside of him so that he can act on it and find prosperity. He said he spent about two years, if I remember the story right, he said he spent about two years in this negative place where he keeps saying everything's going wrong, everything's going wrong, everything's going wrong. Now he's been in about a year where he's putting the word of God into himself, finding out what the Bible says and, and, uh, and acting on it. And, uh, but, uh, but it takes a while to get that tradition out of your heart because tradition says it's not working because I don't feel any different. But the word of God says, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them, the things that you desire. So he began, you know, putting more and more and more of the word into him. As a matter of fact, I think if, uh, uh, if I remember the story right, he said that for a period of time, he, uh, he wouldn't read anything else. He wouldn't read newspapers. He's cut out TV. He just gave all of his time and attention for several weeks at a time to, uh, to the Word of God. And he said, after that, he said, I got so excited about the Word, I didn't much care about the other stuff anymore. But he's, he's going ahead and putting it in, just putting the Word into him and so forth. He's, pre, he's uh, speaking to himself, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not want. No weapon formed against me will prosper, so forth. He said uh, he got to uh, one scripture where he was uh, over in James chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And he spoke uh, out of his heart, just speaking the word of God. And he said this. He said, the devil, uh, because I resist the devil, the the devil flees from me. And he said, I knew something had happened. He said, I knew. There was just something that happened that was different. I knew on the inside of me that that word carried authority. That word carried power. Let me back up a little bit in the story. Shortly before then, or I say shortly, I don't know how long it was, how long the period of time was. But before he found that place where he knew that something had changed, now the word's down on the inside of him. At least starting to take root. 
He said that while he was making his confession one day, he spoke just to the Lord. And you can understand how this is tradition speaking, not faith. But he said in the middle of his confession, he said, now, you know, Lord, I don't really believe all this stuff I'm saying. I know the word is true and I know I'm supposed to believe it, but I don't really believe it. And the Lord spoke back to him and said, that's all right, son. You just keep saying the word of God and it'll become real on the inside of you. Now, I remember as a Bible school student hearing that testimony. Well, I guess the first time uh, I got hold of it was I read it. Then I heard him tell it in person later on. But I thought to myself, now that's a life changer. Because so many times people get to the exact same place where he was, where he's thinking, you know, I'm saying this stuff, but I really don't believe it. And so more than, than half, or the, certainly the vast majority of people, will stand up and say, well, I, the, I can't keep saying what's not true because I know I don't believe it. Now, let me ask you a question. And, and this is where the devil beats people up about confession. How can speaking God's word ever be a lie? God's word is truth. And it may contradict everything about your circumstance. It may contradict everything that you feel. But how can speaking God's word ever be a lie? Some people won't even confess, I believe I'm healed in Jesus' name because they don't feel like they really have faith in that. But if you turn that around and say, according to God's word, I'm healed, then it's impossible for that to be a lie. So the Lord told him, that's all right, son. Doesn't matter what you think about it or how you feel about it. You just keep saying it. It'll become a part of you. Isn't that good? What the Lord is doing is trying to get him get across to him the principle of faith. That principle of faith was Joshua 1.8. And that principle of faith is Mark 11.23. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Don't talk about your problem. Talk to your problem. Well, what are you supposed to say to your problem? Speak God's word. You remember in Matthew chapter 8 where the centurion comes to Jesus and Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. And, and he said, I'm not worthy to come, but speak the word only because I'm a man under authority. Boy, if we really got a hold of what he, this guy is saying, he's understanding more about authority than most of the modern day church does. He said, I've got a hundred soldiers under me. I have authority over them. I tell them what to do and they obey. You've got authority over sickness and disease, so just speak the word. He understands the principle. Speak the word only. You remember the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5? When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind for she said, most translations say for she began to say continually. If I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. I wonder how many times she had to say it before she really believed it enough to act on it. Was was she some superhuman person that believed it the first time she heard? Oh boy, if she did, Jesus needed to stop and make her one of the apostles. Well, she's just like you and me. She heard it and began to say it. The more she said it, the more confidence she gained. Finally, she acted on it, and it worked. So the Lord told him and said, just speak the word. Just keep saying the word, and it'll become part of you. It'll get down on the inside of you and become part of you. So he kept confessing, I have abundance and no lack. And uh, he, I remember he described it this way as well. He said, it became an exciting adventure. The process of forgetting circumstances and speaking God's word. Now, he's not denying the circumstances. But he's choosing the word of God over the circumstances. 
And that's the way he said it. He said it became an exciting adventure to forget circumstances. The adventure was forgetting circumstances and speaking God's word. That's exactly what Romans 4 says Abraham did. Looking under the promise of God, he staggered or wavered not through unbelief. So anyway, he kept, he kept confessing abundance. He kept uh, confessing prosperity in the midst of lack. And he, the more he's saying it, the more he's uh, confessing these things, the more confidence he has as he says them. And then one day, he prayed and he said, Now, Lord, he said, uh, I want to increase. Now, I don't know where there's more land. I need more land to plant crops. I don't know where there's more land around here, but you do. And by then, he had found where uh, Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the angels being ministering spirits. So he said, I send those ministering spirits out to find the land and bring me information so that I can plant more. He said he was operating on Mark eleven twenty four, so he didn't think about it anymore. He just began to praise God when he did think about it, which was very seldom. So he just kind of left it in the hands of God and went about his business. Well, he gets a phone call some weeks later. I think he said it was about three weeks after he had prayed about this extra land. And there was a, a certain person in that area that he was aware of that had a big farm. And so the, the person who was on the phone said, uh, we're thinking about uh, selling our farm. Would you be interested to buy it? Now, he said that he knew that other people had tried to buy little pieces of the farm, you know, around the edges and, and stuff like that before, and they'd never been willing to sell. And so for this person, particularly this person, with as big a property as they had to come out of the blue and say, you know, we'd be interested to sell it, was a real, real shock, real surprise. Now, here's the, um, uh, remind me to come back to this part of the story. Okay, I'm going to finish the story and then come back to the part that I want you to see. So he said, yeah, he kind of stuttered it out and stammered it out and said, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really be interested in buying the property. So um, they agreed to meet and going to meet later that night or whenever it was soon. And uh, so he hung up the phone. His wife was there listening, on the, listening to his end of the conversation on the phone. She said, who was that? So he said, well, it was so-and-so. And they asked if I'd be interested to buy their farm. And she said, well, I heard you say yes. What are you going to use for money? And he said this. He said, these words popped out of his mouth. Didn't think about them. Hadn't, hadn't considered it. He said, these words popped out of his mouth. He said, money's no problem. I've got an abundance. And then he stood there with goggle eyes, you know, surprising himself at what he had just said. She's looking stunned and surprised. He's stunned and surprised, and nobody else says a word. So their oldest daughter was there with him in the kitchen, I think it was. So they all just agreed. This farm is ours in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, this is done. Well, they went about the negotiation process. They offered a certain amount of uh, money for the land. And they, he already knew pretty much what it would be worth anyway, so he offered a certain price, uh, and they readily accepted. And so then they went through the process. He said there were, there were a lot of things. It took them about six months to close on the property. He said there were, there were obstacles, and there were a lot of things that, that uh, came up along the way and hindrances. He said there was every, every, every opportunity you could imagine to say, man, this isn't working. I don't know why things don't work out for me. You know all the things you're tempted to say when things are going against you. But they wouldn't, sh they wouldn't say a word. They just kept their mouth shut. Everybody involved just stayed quiet. And then there was another fellow that, that found out about the property being up for sale. And so he came in and offered more money for it. Well, they were more inclined to take the, the higher offer, as you can well understand. And so now he's got an even greater obstacle in the middle of it. So now it's not just between him and the, uh, the owner and the, the financing and all that kind of stuff, the deeds and recordings and 
and all the things that are involved in the closings. But now he's got another person that, uh, that's outbidding him. So he says, uh, uh, he said he's just praying about it. You know, Lord, I don't know what to do about this thing. You know how to handle it. And I don't. Thank you that the Holy Ghost reveals it to me. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke on the inside of him and said, go talk to the mountain. Well, he knew immediately what the mountain was. He knew the mountain was the other guy trying to buy the property. So he went to the other guy and he talked to him a little bit. And he said, nah, uh, you know, I'm, I was bidding on this property. I understand that you put in a competing bid. He said, yeah. He said, it's, you know, it's a good property. I, I'm sure you know that. It's a, it's a good farm, well-producing farm and, and, um, and, and that kind of stuff. He said, I really don't need it. He said, is it, is it really important to you? And, uh, and this fellow said, uh, yeah, yeah, it's something I really, really need. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll just withdraw my bid and let you have it. So by the time the, the closing came around, this other guy's out of the picture. The mountain is moved just by talking to him. So they went, to the, went through all the process of, of uh, financing the property, working, trying to work out the arrangements to, to get the deal done. And then on the last moment, just at the last moment, he goes into the lending company to, uh, outside of the hometown that he was in, a bigger, bigger company because it's the most money that he'd ever borrowed at any one time. And it was uh, also money that he was uh, trying to wrap into another loan that he had, a $100,000 loan that he had to keep him going while he was being so negative and losing his crops and the other investment and so forth. So he said this was the biggest deal that he'd ever been involved in. And he said right at the last minute, the lending company said, you know, the, the, some of the closing documents didn't come back the way that we thought. We're not going to be able to loan you the money. And so then he's, you know, he's stuck. I mean, the whole deal is about to fall through right at the last minute. And so the Lord, he asked the Lord, Lord, what do I do about this? Thank you that the Holy Ghost guides me. What am I supposed to do? And he said, go across the street to the bank. And he said, Lord, I've never done any business at this bank. It's not even my bank. Why would they be inclined to, to loan me any money? And the Lord said, go to the, across the street to the bank. So he walks in the bank and see, finds out that the bank president is somebody that he knows, didn't know that he was the bank president, walks in and says, the fellow says, hi, what can we do for you? And he said, well, I need to borrow X amount of dollars. He says, well, he said, I tell you what, bring us the papers. He said, uh, we heard about you buying the farm nearby. He said, uh, we know what it's worth. We'll just loan you the amount of money to finance the whole thing if you want it. Just right there. Now, this fellow said, I remembered when I had spoken several months back in response to my wife without even thinking about my answer and said, money is no problem. I have an abundance. He said, I knew that those words that came out of my heart because I had been meditating in the word for some months before, he said, I knew that those words that came out of my heart were faith-filled words. I knew that they were words that carried creative power, and I knew that was the very reason that I had the money for the, for the property. Now, you remember I said, remind me about the other part of the story? He said, this is the part that made the most, uh, uh, carried the most blessing with him. Uh, well, let me finish before I go back. He said, by the time the property closed, he said, I'd already sold 40 acres of it at the school for a new school district or to the school district to build a, build a new school there on the property. He said, so what they paid me for the, for the property that they bought, the 40 acres that they bought, was enough for me to have several thousand dollars worth of equity in the land before we ever closed. Within the next two years, the property uh, values of the, uh, of the land doubled. He said, so it was a good deal. Good deal for everybody. Now, here's, what he, here's the part that I was going to go back to. Remember when the, the owner of the property, the new property, called him? She's kind of out of the blue. Here's what the owners told him at the closing. The owner said, you know, we never really intended to sell this property. Somebody in the family wanted their share of the inheritance. 
And so somebody else in the family, one of the sons, said, well, let's find out what it's worth and I'll just buy it myself and keep it in the family. And when they found out what the offer was from this fellow, our farmer, when they found out what the offer was and found out what the property was worth, they said, well, my goodness, if it's worth that, we'd be foolish not to sell it. So they never really intended to sell when they first made the call. But what caused these things to work? Now, here's the same fellow that went in the hole tens of thousands of dollars on the joint venture when he put out a fleece. Same fellow that couldn't bake a crop even though he's been farming all of his life in this one year because he's been speaking negative words. He's been speaking contrary to what the Word of God says about him and what God will do for him. Now, here's a guy two years ago that, that everything was working against, but because he began to speak the Word of God and put it on the inside of him. Look at how things changed. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Speak the word of God that thou mayest meditate therein. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Folks, the principle of faith works in every area. I don't care what you're facing. I would recommend that you do exactly what he did. And that is find scriptures that have to do with your situation. Find scriptures where God speaks about who you are and what belongs to you and begin to say them about yourselves. It's not enough to know that they're in there. It's not enough to know that there are good things that God has said. It's your words that govern you. And if you're not going to take the time and the effort to speak God's words, then you have no right, no standing to complain to God because it's not working. Because when you speak the word of God and make it a part of your heart, then you make your way prosperous. Then you have good success. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have to speak your word. Thank you, Father, that as we speak your word, it becomes a part of our spirit. And your word, spoken from our hearts, our spirits, the very inner parts of us, the real part of us, your words carry creative power. Thank you, Father, that the same faith that created the worlds is in us. The same power of the word spoken from our lips carries and produces the same results as when you spoke your word in the beginning. Thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Thank you, Father, that we have authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Thank you, Father, that because we've submitted ourselves to your word, as we resist the devil, he flees from us. Thank you, Father, therefore, that we are healed according to your word. Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what our body speaks, no matter what our circumstances or symptoms are, we thank you, Father, that we're more than conquerors to him that loved us. We thank you, Father, that our words come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.